you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. It's good to see those of you who are here with us in person. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. And I wonder that as we're, the calendar's already flipped to 2024, um, and for many of us, um, well, maybe for some of you, you had some time off recently for the holidays, or uh, you're able to go on trips, or coming back. Um, maybe for some of you, kids have been home from school. Uh, maybe for some of you, this life has been normal. But I think for us, like maybe, maybe you're like me, where all of a sudden this coming week, starting tomorrow, feels like the week where life gets back to, to kind of normal. Um, you have maybe normal rhythms, even, even on a holiday week like last week, um, where everyone has, you know, you get New Year's Day off. Uh, I was talking to some people about how um, Rex Kenimer had mentioned this to me, where when you are a preach on Sundays, he calls it a garbage man's holiday on a Monday. Now let me explain, because that sounds bad. But the idea is... Even when the Monday's off, I, for some reason, you guys still expect me to be ready by Sunday to preach. And so you lose a day, but you still have to catch up. He's like, that's like a garbage man's holiday because they have one day off a week, but they still have to circle around and get all the trash in the neighborhood. And so I'm like, okay, so maybe even for, for this past week, you've had some more time. This past season, you've had some time off. Uh, but maybe this coming week for you is like, okay, now there's, there's a normal rhythm, normal work, normal getting up at certain times, no more sleeping in or no more staying up late. And it's this idea where we start to think of the beginning of our year and looking at all the different pulls and tensions that come with the different responsibilities that we have and the different ways that we divide up our time. And so this data is from several years ago, so it may not be completely up to date, but I think it paints the picture well for the fact that we're looking at our schedule in our home. Okay, now we've got Bible study again, we've got this event here, we've got a, the girls' classes or, or play practice or all the different things where there was some margin has now been filled in. And so here is an example of, of data again a little while ago, but how many hours it is that people spend with different activities. Now, obviously, these aren't the only activities people do, but here are some of the examples. So let's go to this slide here, um, and you can kind of see that there's different categories. Now, again, this is a little while ago, but the idea that sleep takes up, within a, within a week, approximately 56 hours, if you get eight hours a night. Work takes up approximately 40 hours, some more, some less. Uh, social media from the data was 15.75 hours, which feels like a lot until you realize it's really easy to just endlessly scroll. And maybe it's not two hours per, like in one sitting, but all of a sudden you realize, oh, I've actually been reading things for a while or looking at things for a while. TV, 24.5 hours. So that's, you know, that's several hours a day as well. Everything else, so that includes like taking care of the household, caring for family, looking at all these other responsibilities. People have 26.7 hours, or seven, five hours, excuse me. And then God, it says about five hours a week. And so if you want to look at that in percentages, again, just kind of a rough idea. Let's go to the next slide here. It means we take about 33% of our day with, or our week, excuse me, with sleep, about a quarter, so a third of sleep, almost a quarter for work, 
Then we have, you know, 9% for social media. We have 15% for TV. We have 16% for everything else. And then 3% of the hours of our week for God. Now, for some of us, that might even be lower. Maybe for some of us, we come in and we think, okay, we want to start the new year well with attending church service. And if that's you, awesome. We're so glad that you are here this morning and we're happy to be able to come together and worship and singing songs and diving into God's word and experiencing the warmth of community. And this series we're going to be looking at is called Beyond the 52, looking beyond just the 52 Sundays of a year. And what does it look like to follow Jesus every day of our lives? What does it look like for the church to go beyond just a Sunday morning, but to live out the gospel and the kingdom of God as ambassadors throughout every day of the week? And so we look at this idea and, you know, 3% might be for the amount of time that people spend in a relationship with God. And yet for some of us, and this is, this is just trying to speak truthfully in love, some of us, our main time with the Lord the main focus that we give to God at any point of the week is the 70 minutes that we have here on a Sunday morning. And there are over 10,000 minutes in a week. And so the main portion, if really all we're doing with our relationship with God is 70 minutes out of 10,000 per week, that we're getting to a point where it's like, I forget the exact number, I think it's like 0.006% of our day of our, excuse me, of our week is spent with God. Now, that is not enough for us to have a vibrant, growing, intimate relationship with the Lord. And so the encouragement is that we want to figure out what does it look like for us to live for God in each and every day. Now, Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline, had this quotation uh, a little while ago, and he said this, the scandal of Christianity in our day is the heresy of a 5% spirituality. In other words, the scandal of Christianity is that we think that our lives, in his numbers, 95% of our life can be devoted to everything else, other things in our life, and then we just give God 5%. And yet, even with our numbers we looked at, I mean, it's really, for some of us, it might be closer to 3%, not even 5 For some of us, if we only come on Sunday mornings, that's the only interaction with God through prayer, through worship, through his word. If it's only Sunday morning, then it's less than 1%. And so here is uh, kind of our main point for the morning and kind of setting the tone for the series. And it's this idea here that worship is more than performing sacred activities once a week. It's recognizing the sacred in all, all our activities throughout the week. It's more than just performing, I show up on a Sunday morning, I stand up and I sing and then I, and then I clap and then I take notes and then uh, you know, I, I talk to people and I read God's word for that time. It's not just doing sacred activities one day a week, but it's recognizing how God can use us in all of our activities throughout the week. So with that in mind, we'll be in Colossians chapter three, and I would ask you to join me in a word of prayer before we get ready for what God has for us through his word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether live in person, live online, watching or listening later throughout the week. And Lord, I'm grateful for the fact that um, we can come here together and we can, we can worship you. We can sing songs that glorify you. We can learn from your word. We can experience the warmth of the community. We can be able to be here. But Lord, this cannot be all that we have in our relationship with you. And as we start this year and as we start this series, Lord, may we, may we prioritize not just going, yes, coming once a week to, to worship together. 
But Lord, may we prioritize what it looks like to find ways to worship you each and every day of the week throughout our lives. So Lord, I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 15 uh, in a a couple moments. And what we're going to do is we're going to start looking at some things that, as Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, that he's saying these are important things for you to be doing when you come together in community. So, verse 15 through 17 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so... That's not all the activities, but let's take a quick look. We look at sacred activities here, and what are some of the things that we see mentioned in this passage? We see the idea of teaching, that you would come and that you would listen to teaching, that you would receive teaching, as well as we would be teaching one another from God's word. That the idea of admonishing, this this like firm telling you the truth, speaking it in love, but saying, hey, this is not right, and exhorting and calling people up to the standard of living the life that God of worthy of the calling that we've received when we follow God. The idea of singing to God and singing songs and psalms and spiritual songs, psalms, and hymns of praise. So um, I've heard this before where psalms, they would be singing the Old Testament psalms. They would have that scripture. Hymns, uh, Warren Wearsby refers to hymns as songs that we would sing a praise to God. So an example might be How Great Thou Art. The idea that songs that we are singing to God And then he uses, again, Warren Wearsby's idea, is that spiritual songs are songs that we sing together about God. So if a hymn is how great thou art, then a spiritual song would be how great is our God. Because we're singing with one another about God as opposed to singing directly to him. But there's still songs that are worshipful. There's still songs that point our focus on him and give him honor and glory and praise. So teaching, admonishing, singing to God, and giving thanks to God. These are things that we would do to some degree or another every single Sunday when we come and meet. We always have time in God's word. We always have time when we are, you know, speaking the truth in love in God's word. Sometimes there's challenging things that we hear or that we read and we don't hide from those, but we, we walk into those and encourage and exhort one another. We spur one another on towards good deeds. We have times where we're singing to God through, because the worship isn't just singing to God. John Mark Comer has this quote. I don't have it on the screen, but the idea that the gargantuan God creator of the universe, worshiping him cannot be boiled down to a couple hundred people singing a couple songs for one hour on one day a week. That worship needs to be the kind of lifestyle where you walk out and you see a sunrise or a sunset and you just say, thank you, Lord. The kind of one where you interact and you have a good cup of coffee or a good meal with a friend and you say, "Ah, thank you, Lord. The kind of opportunity where you see the kids in your life and you think, man, that is a miracle. Thank you, Lord. The kind of one where you look at people who are further along in their walk with God and they give you wisdom and insight and mentorship, you say, thank you, Lord. The kind where you look and you you look at however much food you have in the pantry or, or whatever it looks like and you think, You've given me my daily bread. Thank you, Lord. What does it look like for us to give thanks to God 
all throughout the week. What does it look like for us to give thanks to God even when we're grieving, even when we're struggling, even when we're hurting, even in the difficult times? Because it's not something that we just do when things are good or comfortable or easy, that we are called to, to worship God in any and every season of our lives. So when it comes to these sacred activities, we can say, okay, yeah, this is what, you know, this isn't everything in a church service, but this is when we come to a church service, this is what we do. Or when you have a small group, maybe you sing together in your, in your studies, or maybe you just, you dive into God's word together. I mean, whatever it looks like, we think, okay, these are sacred things. These are godly things. These are, these are, these are things that I do for the Lord. This would be part of my, my 3% or my 5% when it comes to the amount of time I spend focusing um, on God each and every week. But Hugh Welchel has a quotation that I think is really important for us to be challenged with. He says this, We have been tricked into thinking that there is a secular, neutral ground in our lives that is neither for nor against God. Nothing could be further from the truth. Here's what he's saying. We have a mindset. When we look at a pie chart like that, and we think, okay, there's 5% or 3% of my time. We can run into this mindset. We think, okay, well, there's only certain things that I do that are for God. But all the other things I do, I, I, that's, that's me. That's neutral. That, that doesn't have any impact on my walk with God. And so we think things like folding laundry. And we think, that doesn't matter. It's just, you know, it's a chore. I hate, I hate doing it. Like, you know, hypothetically, not speaking from experience. Um, but just like thinking about dishes or, you know, watering things. Like whatever it is. And it's like, you know, I don't, oh man, I don't. We could look at that as, that God has nothing to do with how I interact in those moments. But that's the divide that has come. We have this mindset. There is the spiritual sacred things we do on a Sunday morning for 70 minutes. And then the other 10,000 minutes of our week, well, that's, we could do whatever we want with those. Or, or, or those don't, aren't impacted by God because that's what work is. And I have my work portion or slice of the pie. I have my sleep portion or slice of the pie. I have my health. I have my caring for people. I have these different slices of pie that I think God doesn't impact any of that. In fact, God, if we're, if, you know, if we're good Christians who are doing godly things, frequently enough, he might even get 5% of my pie. And yet that's nothing further from the truth, that God can meet us and we can honor him in all of those things. That laundry can be sacred. Dishes can be sacred. Watering plants can be sacred. Caring for friends can be sacred. Going to work can be sacred. If we do it with for the Lord and not for man. If we do whatever we do in our lives, whether word or deed, as verse 17, Colossians 3 says, we do it for the Lord. And I think what happens here, so an example I think of with this is, you know, there's, there's, there's neutral ground and there's sacred ground. And it's like when I would be, um, when I was a youth pastor, and even now there might be times where you're talking with someone at the church and people say, well, you know, oh, sorry, I can't lie because I'm at church. And I'm like, okay, like I understand what you're trying to say, but even a statement like that, what does that do? That points to the fact that somehow we need, we're different people when we're here and we act differently here than we ought to act the other, you know, six days a week, the other 166 and a half hours of the week. And so the idea of like, oh, I shouldn't lie because I'm in church. The truth of the matter is, is that we believe that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us at the moment of salvation. 
And so if we are live, if Christ is inside of believers at the moment of salvation, then when we lie, it's like the idea of like he's indwelling within us. So it's not about being here at the church building that makes something wrong because we're lying. It's the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us when we come to faith in God and then wherever we go and we lie, it is wrong. There are no borders. Like holiness does not have an address. Holiness is, resides within us. He dwells, Holy Spirit dwells within us at the point of salvation. And then he convicts and he guides and he comforts and he helps us to become more like Christ. But we cannot say, oh, you know, oh, I, I, don't, I can't lie because I'm at church. No, you shouldn't lie because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And what harmony can there be between darkness and light and Christ and Belial? So this idea of what does it look like for us to recognize that there is no divide. There ought not be a divide between our sacred activities we do on a Sunday morning once a week and all the other activities we do throughout our week. Colossians 3, verse 18, we continue on. Now, in our context, this is going to feel like when I read these next verses, because remember, verse 17 says this, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whether word or deed, you want, you want to be able to do it for the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then verse 18 through 22 feels like, I don't see how, like we've gone from sacred activities, things we do at church, to something that does not feel like it connects. Here's what verses 18 through 22 say. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes on you and occur their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Now, Paul is spending this time saying, whatever you do, you know, do these sacred activities. Yes, come together, teach, be admonished and admonish others. Sing songs to God and about God. Come and give thanks to the Lord. And how does that impact you? It impacts how you are as a husband or as a wife as a parent, as a child. And I don't have the time to go into all this, but this section, we, we look at it and there's some words that are gonna rankle us a little bit in the sense of like this idea of submitting. And we think that that means that it's a power move where it's like, you know, wives submit because you're less than. But the idea of submit is not to step on someone or to be a doormat. The idea of submit is this idea of yielding to one another. And in fact, in the Ephesians 5 passage, there's this section where it says, submit to one another as in Christ, wives to your husbands. And so this idea of submitting is a mutual submission. And yet we see in Ephesians 5 that God gives males, the men the role to lead in the household. But this is not something that men, we, that we use to lord over. In fact, we see that the idea is to love and respect to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And I wish I could go into the fact that Ephesians 5 and the sections in Colossians 3, they look kind of harsh to us maybe in some ways. But in the Greek time, like in this time, this was revolutionary because there, were, there was no call. Husbands didn't need to love their wives. They owned their wives, not, not literally, but they, what they said went. They didn't have to care for their kids or care about embittering them. They just did what they wanted. It was pater familias. It's the head of the household. The head of the family could do whatever they wanted. 
And so this is giving more rights and giving more hope to women and to kids. And then when we look at slaves here, it's not looking at the same idea of we have in our concept of, of slavery in our country. It's the idea of people who sold themselves in order to pay off a debt, and then they could, once that debt could be paid off, then they could be released, or they could choose to keep serving that master if they wanted, but it's a different concept. So it's, it's worth taking you know, 90 seconds to unpack that, but that's not the main point of our passage or our sermon this morning. The main point is saying that Whatever we do, we want to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So whatever role you have, whether it's within the household or within the workplace or your neighborhood or whatever, your classroom, whatever it is, in whatever role we are in, wherever God has us, whatever sphere of influence we have, can we do all things as if for the Lord? Not to get credit from other people, not to give ourselves glory, not to get pats on the back and attaboys. Can we do all things as if for the Lord and not for man? Can we see every activity as something that can honor God? So here's the question. If we follow what Hugh Welchel says, that we have created this divide where God gifts the 5% and the rest of my 95 comes to whatever I want to do, what happens? We ask this question, what happens when we divide the sacred and the secular. When we say, okay, God, you get this 5% and I get the rest, or you get, it doesn't have to be 5%. Some of us are more, we spend more time. So whatever that is, if we part and parcel out our time and our lives, and we say we give God a percentage of it rather than include God in all of it, then we are falling into this divide. And so what does it look like? What happens? Number one, we act differently on Sunday. And what I mean by that is that we think again, that holiness has an address. That Christ-likeness is at 12708 Stone Canyon. I don't know why I said it that way. 12708 Stone Canyon Road in Poway. Or wherever it is that you're joined. Like, we think, oh, okay, now, now I'm holy. Now, now I get to put on the happy face, the holy face, and people say, how are you doing? Like, oh, I'm, I'm blessed. And maybe that's true. But maybe for some of us, we put our masks on on Sunday mornings far more that we hide how we're feeling, we hide how we're doing, we hide our prayer requests, we want to create this perfectly curated image of how we're doing. And then we sit in comfy brown chairs and we, we are taught and we are admonished and we sing songs to God and we give thanks, but then we go and we live differently Monday through Saturday. E.W. Tozer says this, he says, if you can't worship him on Monday, then you didn't really worship him on Sunday. If you don't worship him on Saturday, you are not in very good shape to worship him on Sunday. So if you go and you think, okay, I, I got to, I worship God today. I went to my church service. I crossed off my checklist. And then tomorrow morning, the second adversity strikes, the bitterness and the anger and the rage rises up. If the second something happens that you struggle with, you lose all semblance of patience and kindness. If love and joy and peace are things you think about Sunday morning and neglect Monday through Saturday, then all of a sudden it's like, well, we didn't really experience what it means to be in, the, in, in a time of worship with God. We didn't really understand that time with God changes us. We often want to change God into our image to make him the way we want him to be, to do the things we want when we want how we want them. And yet God, when we worship him, when we see him face to face, when we see examples of this in scripture, it's the people are afraid, the people bow down, the people lay down prostrate in, prostrate in worship, and they're just in awe. 
And he, a, a true interaction with him changes us, not the other way around. So if we don't, if, not, if it doesn't change how we live on Monday, then we didn't really experience God on Sunday. Flip side is if I just wanted to, if I found out there was a, a triathlon coming up tomorrow and I was like, I haven't trained, I haven't done anything, I'm going to do that though, and it's going to be awful. But if I just were to go out and do that, would I be in any good shape to be able to fulfill that? Absolutely not. I, here, I think I shared this last year about triathlons. I'm like, oh, that would be something I'd like to do at some point. Um, but it's like, I hate running, I don't own a bike, and I can't swim. So I feel like there's a couple obstacles to that goal. Um, and one of our church members last year was like, hey, I'll, I'll, like, let's train together. And I'm like, I want to do that, and that'd be great. And then I, I just failed in that. But with that said, I would not be in any shape to be able to run a tri or be a part of a triathlon tomorrow. If we aren't living for God Monday through Saturday, and this is for those of us who are Christ followers. Some of you are still on your journey. You're not sure where you're at. This is, this is a time where I'm really speaking a lot of what I'm saying today is speaking to those who already have a relationship with Jesus. And we need, all of us, some admonishment to say, if you are not living for God Monday through Saturday, you're not training yourself to worship God on Sunday. Sunday cannot be an island and holiness cannot have an address. We need to be able to worship God throughout because otherwise we, work, we live differently on Sunday than we do the rest of the week. And some of us, based on, you know, after service what we do, maybe we go home and we watch the games and we're like, we've already forgotten what we have learned. Some of us don't even make it all the way through Sunday. A.W. Tozer has one more quotation, says this. He says, so I've got to tell you that if you do not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him on one day a week. Oh, friends, that does not feel comfortable. <laughs> that, is an, that is a hard saying. But that's part of why we come together, is to speak the truth in love. If we are not worshiping God throughout our lives, and I get we all stumble. I'm not, I'm not asking, or God's not, and we're not perfect but are our hearts tethered to God? Are our hearts wanting to be more like Christ's likeness? Is the Holy Spirit living in us at the point of salvation saying, become more like Jesus? Or do we only give him the 5%? And then we say, you, don't, you can't have any rest of me, Lord. How I spend my money, it's not your deal. How I am with my kids, not your deal. How I am with my spouse or my friends or my parents or classmates, not, that's not for you. I'll give you my Sunday morning and maybe a couple prayers before meals. And that's it. If we do not worship him seven days a week, we're not worshiping him fully the one day a week. Let's continue on. Uh, number two, what happens when we divide sacred and secular is that we can be seen as hypocrites. Because we're living differently on Sunday than we are Monday through Saturday. So by living separately, there's cracks in our lives. It's like when you're driving and you're, in a, you're driving a car and like a little speck hits your windshield. And all of a sudden you hear it and you're like, oh no. Like I know in time this is going to eventually fracture my windshield. And this idea of having integrity, it comes from the word integer. This comes from the idea of a whole number. Integrity means that you are whole. There are no cracks in your life. There is no division. There are no ways that you are hypocritical. So we're not perfect. But if we intentionally just say, okay, God gets my 5% on a Sunday morning and that's it. 
then we could be seen as hypocrites. Here's what Colossians 3, 1 through 8 show us. And I won't go all the way through, but just get the picture here. It says, verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Let, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, we might initially think that, say, okay, set your mind on things that have to do with God, not on the things that have to do with this earth, like laundry and plants and dishes. That's not what it says, though. The contrast isn't between our earthly responsibilities, in which we could still find ways to honor God through it. It's our different sinful actions and attitudes. Verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Verse 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, whatever, uh, excuse me, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. He's saying, if we say that we've set our things on, on being more like Christ, if we say we want to worship God, if we say we want to live for God on Sunday morning, and so for 52 Sundays of the year, we're on fire for the Lord. But if we live differently Monday through Saturday, then the people who know us in our families, in our classrooms, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, we'd be like, we'll just be like, well, you say one thing, but you do something else. You, you praise God on Sunday morning, and then you slander his creation and his people Monday through Saturday. You, you, you lift up your hands in worship on a Sunday morning, and then you lift up your fists in rage Monday through Saturday. It's saying we cannot be hypocritical. It doesn't say hide your sin. It doesn't say try to temper it down a bit. It says, put your sin to death. It means lay this all down so that we are no, recognize that when we confess our sins, God is righteous and just to forgive us of our sins. But we also know that the wages of our sin is death. If we were to get paid for sinning, the payment we receive is death. So we can either receive death because of our sins or we can put death to our sins. So, we can be looked at as people who are far from God, but like you're no different than, than any of us. Just because you show up on a Sunday morning, you think holiness has an address. But as Brendan Manning says, the single greatest cause of atheism today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then go and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Number three. What happens when we divide the sacred and the secular? They're, these all kind of build on each other. They're very similar. We cannot show the change Jesus has made in our lives because we live like the world. We only give God the 5%. 95% is, is impacted by everyone and everything around us. We're not going to stand out. We're not going to be a star that's uh, shining like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. We're not going to be a city on a hill. We're going to be a lamp that's hidden under a bushel basket, which doesn't bring light to the house and doesn't bring hope to the world. Colossians 3, verse 9 through 14. 
So we're kind of going out of order that if you notice, Colossians 3.17 was kind of our linchpin. It was kind of our, our pivot point for the sermon. We read a little after, we're reading a little before, and Colossians 3.17 is where we land in the middle. But here's what verses 9 through 14 say. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. In other words, there's, we are united in the fact that we need Jesus. We are united in the fact that we have to put off our old self and put on the new self. Doesn't mean there aren't roles, doesn't mean there aren't differences anymore. What it means is that all of us are on the same footing. Whereas in the earlier, um, or excuse me, later on in this passage, when it talks about how there were different roles of, of men would be higher than women and fathers would be higher than kids and masters would be higher than slaves. It's like, no, 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 we are all on the same field. We all need Jesus. We all need to take off the old self. We all need to put on the new self and we all need to worship God in all things. And so, verse 12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That, we've shared this before, if you go to the beach and, and you get all sandy, and you're like, oh, I just, I just want to get cleaned up, like there's sand everywhere, and then you get, go home, you get all clean, and then you put on your sandy clothes from the beach again. You're like, why did I do this? This was pointless. Friends, when we have these sins in our lives and we confess our sins and God forgives us and we can be sanctified through the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus, then we just keep putting on our old sins. It's like putting on sandy clothes once you've been cleaned. Put on new clothes, put on fresh clothes, put on clothes that are, we're clothed in humility and kindness and bind all of that with love. Because if we don't live any different, if our faith is boiled down to 52 Sundays, if our walk with Jesus is boiled down to 52 Sundays and that's it, then we're not going to be able to be a shining star in a crooked and brave generation. We're going to be hypocritical. We're going to be people that say one thing on Sunday and live another thing Monday through Saturday. We're going to be people that, say, that people around us would say, they wouldn't say it this way, but think, you think that being holy is an address. So what's, what do we do about this? You know, because if we leave the sermon and you're like, I'm pretty sure that I heard be perfect always the end. Like that's overwhelming, Right? But what's one step we can take? What is the key to resolving, to, excuse me, to bridging the divide between the sacred, the, what we give our 5% to the secular? How do we not divide our time out and say God gets this and the world gets all of that? We find the clue and the hint in verse 17. We find the clue and the hint in verse 23. I'm not a big like, hey everyone, let's have New Year's resolutions and let's spell out each one with an acronym of New Year. Like, but there's one thing we can resolve to do. We must resolve to worship God with whatever we do. Whatever we do. Verse 17 and 23 say this. Verse 17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
And then verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. That this section, verse 18 through 22, that seems kind of out of nowhere, talking about the different roles we have, book, are bookended by whatever you do in word or deed, honor the Lord Jesus, and whatever you do, do as if for the Lord and not man. So there's cases being built. We need to set our mind on things above. We need to put to death our sins. We need to clothe ourselves in kindness and humility and compassion. We need to bind all of that with love. We need to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We need to be able to, yes, still teach. And yes, still be admonished and admonish one another. And yes, still sing songs to God. And yes, still thank God for things he's done. We do all the sacred, but it's not separated from our normal life. It's not separated from how we live Monday through Saturday. There's a quotation I want to share here uh, from R. Keith Lofton said, Paul says in this passage that Christians are to have a view of life such that all aspects of life, even the seemingly mundane, wiring receptacles, repairing motors, delivering newspapers, the parts of life typically regarded as secular are to be equally done in the name of Christ. That is, they are to be recognized as sacred. Friends, how do, you, how do you grieve with someone who's hurting in a way that is sacred? How do you do laundry and dishes and discipline your kids in a way that's sacred? How do you care for aging parents, close friends, and the brokenhearted in a way that is sacred? How do you see all of your life as something that could be used by God in order to point people to him? How do you, how do we not go into work and say, okay, I'm going to clock in at this time and I'm going to clock out. And that's all I'm going to do and focus on work. What does it look like to allow God work in you at your work? And what is it like to remember that because of the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit never clocks out in how he wants to work in and through us. What does it look like for us when it comes to our classes and our, and our grades to be able to think, oh, you know, I just got to got to get this done and interact with classmates. What does it look like for us to be able to honor God in the way that we study and honor God in the way we come alongside people, to have integrity, to not cheat or cut corners? What does it look like for us to see all aspects of our life as sacred? Jimmy Draper says it this way, a little bit more succinct. Christianity is not a way of doing certain things. It is a certain way of doing all things. It's not that I just teach and admonish and pray and have a Bible study and do these certain sacred things and then live my life differently the rest of the week. It's how does everything I do in this week, how do I honor God in the midst of it? How do I shine his light in the midst of it? How do I do all things with the heart of Christ? How do I look at whatever I do, whatever you do, whatever we do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we have this um, chart that we had earlier that had it all divided up and we had it all mixed up and then it's, you know, God gets the 5%. What does it look like for us to just see all of our activities? Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Friends, as we close, we, we want to remember this doesn't have to be the only resolution we make, but wouldn't this be a powerful resolution in our lives. If we choose, like we talked a few minutes ago, that we must resolve to worship God with whatever we do. 
changes how we live. It changes how we think. It changes the impact we can have on others. Because our lives aren't segmented. They're not divided. There's not something that needs to be bridged because all we do, not just Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday, all of our week, we can fix our eyes on God. We can honor him and worship him in the way that we love, lead, serve, give, share, and bless. Worship, main point for today. We hit it already, we'll hit it again. Worship is more than performing sacred activities once a week. It's recognizing the sacred in all our activities throughout the week. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, watching or listening later. Lord, I thank you that you are here with us and that you're here with us not just because holiness has an address. You're not just here at 12708 Stone Canyon Road. You're, you are with us because your Holy Spirit is in us and that we are able to we're able to heed the call to worship you and always say, think, and do. To worship you in all of our activities, that whatever we do, we would do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Help us to remember the, the honor and also the weight of bearing the name of Christ. Honor because we get to share the good news with those around us. But the weight of recognizing we do not want to besmirch your name. Lord, help us put to death things in our lives that are sinful, that take us far from you. Help us to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. Help us to, put, to take off our old clothes, our old way of living, and to put on the new. Help us that whatever we do, we would do it all in your name. And Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.